are no longer slaves to sin. That is the beautiful outflow of the gospel. Hey, thanks for joining us here at the church at Suncoast. Take your Bibles and let's get into God's Word. If you would, open your Bibles to Matthew 13. And this morning we're going to look at the imitation game. Satan has been in the industry of imitation. In the very Garden of Eden it began. And it carries now through churches and through doctrines and through counterfeit theologies. Satan initiated the imitation game. There's a day coming very, very soon in which Jesus Christ will breathe this game to an end and he will win. But until then, let every weapon formed against us not prosper, because it cannot. We're going to look at a really amazing parable this morning. It's, this, it's the second parable of, in the order of, I think, I think six parables in, to, in total. But this is the last parable that actually Jesus kind of puts his input into. The first parable, he kind of adds his own commentary. Uh, the second parable, also his own commentary. The next set of parables, we don't get Jesus' uh, commentary on this one. So luckily, I had the advantage of having Jesus Christ as my commentary this week. Can't go wrong there at all. Uh, in the 1930s, there was a scientist, a brilliant man um, named Alan Turing. I'm going to get his picture up there. There is Alan Turing. Now, Alan Turing uh, was a graduate from Princeton, then went on to Cambridge. And then he was kind of picked up by the Allies during World War II. Alan Turing was kind of dabbling into computers, digital computers. His work and his advancement on the ideas of a possible computer or, or, or some kind of artificial intelligence began to spark the brain of a lot of the Allies, those who were in leadership. They used Alan Turing's kind of idea, or at least his his theories to create a machine. This machine had one purpose and one objective, to break the German code known as the Enigma. The Germans kept using a code that the Allies could not break, we could not decipher, and as the war went on and on and on, the Germans kept having an advantage over the Allies. This man was brought in to simply fix that, remedy the issue. Through months and months of work, he was able to create a computer to break the German code. The focus, however, is not his World War II victory. His focus this morning is gonna be a paper that he wrote four years before his death. He wrote a paper called Computing Machinery and Intelligence. And in this paper, he had this idea known as the imitation game. And here's the game, how it plays out. So you have three people, even A person, a B person, and a C person. So the A person would be a male. And the A person, his one goal was to simply try to trick the person in a different, different room known as person number C. So you have A and B in one room. You got person C in another room. And the job was this. Could the man imitate a woman and confuse the interrogator? Now, person B, the woman, was telling the truth. Her objective was this cause C to make the correct identification. So imagine this, you got person A saying this, I am a woman, I like flowery things, I don't know, I'm just being stereotypical here. You got person B doing the same thing, I'm also a woman, like, oh gosh. 
So a person C's goal was to figure out which one was the true male and the true female, known as the imitation game. Is this not true today of our churches today? We got one person saying, this is the true authority, thus saith the Lord. We got some kind of counterfeit. I'm also trustworthy. I'm also honest. We saw this in the person of Adam and Eve in the fall. It was a person sending wrong messages. It sounded good. It sounded legit. This sounds like this, this, this could be a woman in this case. Or in our, in our world, this could be the real deal. This could be the true doctrine. Maybe we had it wrong for a couple hundred years. Maybe this is this new way. Maybe this, this revision or this refined theology, maybe that's where it should be. Are you, are you seeing the idea here? For, the, this, for, for Mr. Alan Turing, he was obsessed with this. Could a person actually confuse the interrogator? The next phase of this was bringing a computer. Could the two humans trick a computer? Alan Turing will die before he finds that truth out. He dies four years after his paper is even, after it's, after it's published. But the theory behind it is very true today in the church. It's true today in the world. Please understand that there is an evil amongst us, luring, waiting to pounce. And when he does, was the old phrase in kindergarten, what you say, I am rubber, you're glue. What you say to me will bounce back off me and back onto you. No enemy will prosper against us. If you would please go to Matthew 13, and let's go to verse 24. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. Now, in this context, the word weeds is actually a specific weed known as Darnell. We'll discuss Darnell and more specifics later on. But some, I'm looking at verse 24 because he put another parable before them saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. Notice here because Jesus tells us later on in the verses, we know that in this, the sower is Jesus Christ. He tells us that in verses 37 and verse 38. The field in this, he says in the world. Now the world in the Greek is the whole world. It's the cosmos. It's the planet. It's the all things that inhabit it. It's also all life forms. For long, I'm saying because longest time this was preached as this is the church only. This is not just the church. This is the whole entire world. This is not the church. This is the whole world. I love that because we think so much as Christians that that devil has dominion here. He's allowed to. This is still his world. This is still his creation. You are still his. That's why when Satan throws stuff at you, it does not work. It does not prosper. This is his world. Where we're taught, for some, for some reason we're taught that, oh, those, the heaven realm is God's and this world is the devil's. Maybe at one point, maybe God gave Satan basically some, some I guess when he, before he fell, he gave Satan some lead way. Yeah, sure, you're, you're only on earth, you kind of watch over things. But because of the fall, this is God's world. This is God's world. Let's go to verse 26. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. Now, I've got a picture side by side here. One is wheat, one is Darnell. Are you seeing? They look a lot alike, don't they? It's a, I mean, if you did not know, you would not know. How wheat 
and Darnell, how they grow, it looks very similar. You can't tell them apart until the very last stages, until the fruit appears. When the fruit appears, it is very easy to see which one is the real and which one is the counterfeit. Now, as believers, our job is not to know all the possible weapons that are being formed against us. The devil is pretty darn clever. He's going to evolve. He's going to change the game up a little bit. He's going to change up the imitation game. Is he not? What worked last year may not work this year. I kind of think of Satan as a mosquito. You know, every two years they got to change the spray for mosquitoes because the mosquitoes adapt and they won't, they won't die from the, from the spray anymore. That's kind of like Satan a little bit. You spray him a little bit and it works and then he gets creative and innovative and then finds something else to, to, to throw in our way, some other weapon to throw in your, in your direction. I want to go to the picture of, of the wheat first because it's a really cool picture. Isn't that beautiful? I am not a botanist by any means. So I did a lot of research on wheat and just got, I wanted to kind of read and to see how it's described. The Romans referred to wheat as a staff of life. Isn't that amazing? Because in the story, the wheat are the children of God. That's the wheat. We are the staff of life. Now, our life, it only comes from the master sowing us into his world. Isn't that true? We produce no life. I also noticed that as wheat bears more and more and more fruit, it begins to tilt. It begins to bow a little bit. Isn't that true the Christian? As we bear more and more fruit, we become more humble. We lower ourselves. We know it's not our work. It's not our fruit that we're doing. It's all his. And as the more the fruit bears, that we realize more and more that it's none of us and all of him. And we lower and we lower and we lower ourselves. Isn't that a beautiful picture of us in grace? A beautiful picture of us at rest in his completed work. Let's go to Darnell. Looks good at first. Looks very good at first. I found an article two years ago that describes Darnell. Um, if I could get that headline up there. Look at this headline. It's from a, this is from a secular science research facility. I'm going to read you two paragraphs from this. Darnell is a mimic weed, neither entirely tame or quite wild, that looks and behaves so much like wheat that it can't live without human assistance. Darnell seeds are stowaways. The plant survival strategy requires its seeds to be harvested along with those of domesticated grasses stored and replanted next season. It's a parasite. It has to feed off the good stuff around it. I'm telling you, church, Satan will throw weapons and throw all kinds of darnel that will link itself to your roots because it's a parasite. It's a link onto something. It cannot stand on its own. Reason being because who sowed darnel in the story is Satan. He produces no life. He produces death. There's no life that comes out of him. That's why I must hook onto something that has life in it. Next paragraph. Oats and rye began their relationship with humanity in a similar way. But for whatever reason, they were developed into full-on food crops while Darnell stayed in the shadows. Where does Satan lie? In the shadows. The dark places. The places that you think that no one ever sees or goes. The interesting thing about Darnell is that we've caught it in the act, says Howard Thomas. He's a professor of biology who for years worked with Darnell in the lab. He says this, the mimic we took advantage of humans without fully bending to our will. That's what Jesus uses in this parable, Darnell. Does that not describe Satan in the spiritual realm? 
Every facet of that secular description describes how Jesus Christ sees Satan. A mimic, a falsehood. I spent years going to the Federal Reserve, uh, kind of looking, because the Federal Reserve is a really cool place to go to. And I asked the, the, the lady at the Federal Reserve, because how do you all the time, thousands and thousands of times, they say this, we know the one true and so well, we know Jesus Christ so well. We're so one in him, and he's so one in us. And we see a counselor, we can smell a mile away. We can identify and see. here. Go to verse 27. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? Now, who are the servants in this passage? We don't know. When I first looked at it, I thought maybe these are like the legalist pastors. They want to do something. They want to get in the way. They want to add to God's work. Well, God, you sowed it. Now it's our job to take care of it. That's not how growth works, guys and girls. It's not how it works at all. What he began, he will sustain. And what he sustains, he will finish. In this passage, this is such a, such a fixture mentality. As a teacher, if I see a student struggling, going, oh, he's struggling. I got to pull him out to my small group. I got to save him. So I, I understand the servant in this, par in this parable. Now, Jesus says nothing at all about the servant at all because he doesn't. Who are these servants? I think they have one role in the story, to point the story back to the master. That's their only role, because they can't be Christians, because Christians are actually the good seed. They're actually in the ground. So it can't be Christians, it cannot be believers, because all, all the children of Christ are in the ground. He sowed us, so this can't be that group. So the servants, they are just a set-up person, back to the main act. Back to the master, back to the sower, back to Jesus Christ. Let's look at it. Verse 28, he said to them, an enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, then do you want us to go and gather them? Can you see why I think this is a legalist pastor here? I'm kidding, by the way, it's not a legalist pastor. But you can see they want to fix it, put their hands all up in it. Notice the confidence in Jesus Christ's work. He said to them, an enemy has done this. It cannot be me. Because what God does is good. It is perfect. It is complete. No blemishes. By the way, church, he is in you this morning. You have no blemishes. Washed away. You are a perfect staff of life this morning because life is in you. Also, Darnell really flourishes on wet conditions. For the servant to ask this, he knows this. Well, we've had great weather. It's good soil. Servant does this. Well, it has to be the master. Master says, no, no, no. It's not me. What I do is good. What I do is complete. He says it again. Then do you want us to go and gather them? Look at Christ's response. Here's a great response. But he said, no. Lest in gathering weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. Guys, what happened here in this field is an act of complete cowardice. If you look at, if you look at ancient history... This act right here was done by a lot of militaries. They would go into a, a land they were conquering and throw Darnell seed on purpose to wipe out the enemy's crop. This was done purposely, done intentional. It was a very evil thing to do. Remember, it was so evil, the Romans even made it illegal in the second century. That's how commonplace it was. This is a very evil, malice thing to do. It benefits no one. It just hurts the person with the field. There's no advantage 
to do this. But you're just evil, corrupt, and your very inner core, you are a coward. Horrible thing to do. And I love the fact that this, that this is done by an enemy whose sole goal was to destroy all the good seed that the master had created. And here is God. Is God in this story? Is Jesus in the story? Is he freaking out? Is he uptight? Is he wound up? Is he like, what should we do? And he's like, no, let it be. Let it love. The patience and the grace of Jesus in this story. I think back to the person, you know, the, the disciples in the boat, and the storms are crashing, the waves are coming over the boat. They're all freaking out, throwing water, and there's Jesus napping, just relaxing, resting. He is the master of everything. He's not just the master of certain facets of this life or of this world. He has the whole world in his hands. He does not fret about the situation because he knows that no weapon formed against his kingdom shall prosper. He knows it. He rests in that. He rests in that truth. Church, I ask you to rest in that truth because this year you will have weapons that are already formed. They're being sowed. You have no idea when that Darnell is going to pop up right next to you. And when it does, you are there for a reason. Notice this in the story. Darnell does not influence the good wheat. The wheat influences the Darnell. Where you are sowed is where you belong. It's not by accident. So when something counterfeit links itself to your roots, be the light in which you are to be uh, resting in the complete, perfect light of Jesus Christ. Verse 29 again. But he said, no, 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 no. Lest in gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. You're thinking, well, that's easier said than done, Jesus. Did not Jesus do this? Did not Jesus have a tear amongst his disciples? A Darnell amongst his disciples. I mean, he had Judas. Judas was a Darnell. And Judas looked so good. Looked so good. That remember when Jesus, in the in, in book, book of John, he says, there's a devil amongst you. Not one of them said, oh, it's, we know it's Judas. We know it's, no one said that. They're going, is it me? Is it me? That's how good Judas looked. That's how great for three years, for three years, Judas ate bread with them, sat amongst them, told jokes amongst each other, went fishing together, looked at fires together. And now guys, it's not about fires. Looking to a fire makes men who are quiet talk. Fires, for some reason, they just initiate conversation. We've had many a guy nice that people don't really talk a lot. Get that fire going. People don't shut up. Stories are being told. Past are being told. Their conversion stories are being shared. Uh, fires, something is beautiful, the crackling and the light, and it just dances amongst the, sh the shadows, and just it just warms you and calms you, and you begin to really unveil your true self. And for three years, they walked amongst Judas. You didn't see it. So don't think this is just a parable. Jesus had a Darnell amongst them. Here's what I want us to look at is how Jesus dealt with this Darnell for three years. Did Jesus ever show passive aggressiveness to Judas? No. Kindness, patience, grace. He even washed the man's feet. He served Judas. Guys and girls, there is Darnell amongst us in this world. Our job is not to out them. Our job is to love them, influence them, serve them. Because what's not said in this story is that Darnell can change. Remember, the final sin of unbelief 
is not committed until the end of the age. Look at this in the story. But he said, no, at least you gather in the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest and at harvest time. Now we know in the commentary of Jesus that the end of harvest time is the ending of the age, the ending of the church age when Christ comes back for his people. At that point, I love this, I love this. I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Nowhere in this story do the servants touch anything. You notice that? Nowhere in the story did the servants lay a hand on anything that God began, sustained, and ended. It's done by he and his angels. The end of the age, guys and girls, we are in the last age. Amen. We are in the church age, the grace age. It does not mean we are exempt from Darnell amongst our mixes. Matter of fact, I think it's even growing even more that it won't prosper. Don't think quantity exceeds quality. Christ's life is perfect. It is perfected in you and one to be fully perfected in your full physical redemption. This parable here is about the coming of Jesus Christ, the return. Until that time, our job is to love the Darnell amongst us. And maybe, and maybe they'll come back and see the influence you have on their lives. Uh, I, I, I have a look at the scripture here. One thing that kind of popped in my mind was, let them both grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time I will tell them, because here's a fear. If you uproot the Darnell at the wrong time, I won't go back to, to Judas' story. This is, I can't prove this, but it's a possibility. Maybe Jesus knew that if he uprooted Judas earlier, it might upset or turn off some of the also the disciples as well. Them lacking, them lacking understanding. Them not able to understand what Jesus Christ was doing. But let the Darnell show itself. Once it showed itself, the disciples were fully okay what happened to Judas. Were they not? They were okay with it. It's a possibility that we don't pull at the same time because we have no idea what's going on underneath the system. We'll understand what's going in that root system. We don't know. We just see the result. Jesus Christ bears a fruit. Satan bears death. This morning, if you are not a child of God, he has yet to sow you into the ground, into his kingdom. He wants to so badly. I got three things for you. Number one, you are good where you are. Now, this is not as far as feeling good. No, 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 no. This is a spiritual good. You are good where you are. But my job, sting, you are good. You are. But my family, you are good where you are. You are good where you are. Remember, you influence the Darnell. The Darnell does not influence you. You are good where you are. Number two, the world continues to be influenced by his kingdom. Can you imagine this world without any light? I mean, it's bad. Can you imagine if all light was to... Can you imagine the laws and the behaviors? Please understand, we have a bigger influence on his kingdom. This is his world. He is going to make it right. In Romans, it says this, that all of creation groans and moans for their redemption. It's coming. It's coming. There'll be no more weeds, no more darnell, no more tares, just fields and fields of glorious wheat of his kingdom. Beautiful picture. Number three, the imitation game is coming to an end. Very, very soon, we're going to see judgment and we're going to see who was real, who were the counterfeits. The day is very much coming. Until then, in this story, it was never 
the place of the servants to judge. That's not our place, church. Uh, we were playing softball years ago um, at Gray Gables, and after a game, we, we, there was a close, it was a controversial call, one of many in a typical game at Gray Gables. And, um, and it's a church league, we're just kind of whatever, you kind of let it go. And uh, one call, though, was, was, a, was a bit controversial. And um, you know, our team got a bit heated and you know, maybe a bit maybe too heated, maybe. Afterwards, a man came to me and he goes, uh, you need to get your team in check. I was like, listen, that's not my job. That's the Holy Spirit's job. That, that's not my job to, to play the Holy Spirit, to be their conscience or, and, and to get on to them. He goes, he says this, well, sometimes it's our job to act as the Holy Spirit. I said, Wow. Wow. I was like, I think I need to walk away from you right now before lightning comes down and kills me for being in your presence right now. Our place is not to judge. Our job is to influence, to serve, and to rest. Our job is not to even fix the darn app. Our job is to grow up towards Jesus Christ. And as we bear fruit, we slump over in complete humility back to our master. When the world sees that, there's the influence. And most times, nothing is even needed to be said at all. It's the complete work of Jesus Christ in and through his kingdom, through his seed. Let's pray. Well, thank you, Lord, so much for this glorious day, Lord. I want to thank you personally for sowing me into your kingdom, for being my master. Lord, I pray for those this morning that they know they're Darnell. They, they, they know that they're, they're not part of the kingdom, that they know that they are working for the kingdom of Satan. Judgment has yet to come. We're not told when or where nor the hour, but there is a day of judgment. There is a day when all that is wrong, all that is moaning and grunting will be made right. My prayer this morning is for those who are lost, may find themselves rooted in the field of the master, to become a staff of life and to rest in his kingdom, and to find life in his kingdom. Lord, only your sweet Holy Spirit can open the eyes and the minds of the heart. Only you can take what's dead and desolate and you bring it back to life. Because at one point we were all Darnell, but your grace and your mercy showed us and took what was impossible, what was dead and desolate and completely born into depravity, now produces life. Because it's rooted in the very source of life of Jesus Christ. Thank you for being an amazing God, a good God, an amazing friend to us. In Christ we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us today at the Church at Suncoast. We pray that the message was a blessing to you. If we can be of any help, don't hesitate to contact the church on our Facebook page or at suncoastjacks.org. If you are in the listening area, we'd love to have you attend any of our services. We hope you have a great day, and we'll see you next time. Baby, yes.